Oh yeah, so you didn't even notice the black eye? I did, yeah. yeah. It's, yeah. Gotten, it's actually gotten a lot better. <laughs> With your haircut, you look like a real thug. <laughs> when you open the door, I was like, Burke's been burgled. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take this guy out. <laughs> when I went to work on Monday, everyone was like, <laughs> <laughs> you got shaved head and you got, and you got a black eye. It's like, yeah, my wife found out I've been cheating on <laughs> Hey everyone, Voices in Japan podcast. On today's show, we talk about the hospitality in Japan. So as most people know, Japan has excellent customer service. But on this show, we uh, we talk about the good points and also the bad points. Especially, we discuss how Japanese service staff cannot deviate from protocol. So they can't go that extra mile for the customer. And we also delve into Montenashi, which is the slogan for the 2020 Tokyo Olympics, which means great hospitality. But can the Japanese really connect with their customers and go that extra mile to provide perfect customer service? They're almost there. They're probably about 80, 85% there, but it's not perfect. All right, everyone, enjoy the show. Each, me, sang. Okay, uh, good evening, listeners. Voices in Japan podcast. Today we are going to be talking about hospitality in Japan. Japan is very well known for their good hospitality, but there, there's also some not such good things about the hospitality in Japan. So we're going to discuss the good things and the bad things hmm. about it.、Hmm. But maybe we should start with、uh, some of the good things. I mean, we all know hospitality is amazing in Japan, right, Burke? Yeah. Uh, I mean, this is even before you get to Japan, is the first thing I was kind of thinking about, which is, and I may have mentioned it a little bit、uh, before, but、uh, Japanese airlines. On Japanese airlines, actually, if you go to the Japan Airlines website, the、uh, first thing I think they talk about is their hospitality and their approach to hospitality and the importance of hospitality. I mean, when you fly home, Is it always like a foreign airline or are you able to fly on Japanese airlines back home? I've flown on a Japanese airline domestically. Yeah. So to Tokyo, but not all the way to England. Usually it's、um, British Airways. Yeah. But never, never, never Japan Airlines. Okay. Or Anna. But I've flown Japan Airlines before. Yeah. Yeah, domestic. Yeah. And、uh, especially like if you come overseas and you got like a domestic transfer or something. Immediately, you just notice like it's kind of like being a little bit like in paradise because they just treat you so nice. They smile. I mean, some things when you think about it and the hospitality,、uh, that type of hospitality, you kind of th- think that they're, you know, you can tell that they're kind of putting on this front a little bit and it's too much. But man, Sometimes when you experience it, it just feels so good to have everything done so cleanly and so nicely and for them to be super polite and everything. So 
I just always love flying on Japanese airlines, either JAL or ANA. And usually the, the hostesses are all beautiful as well. Like, you know, it's not often you see an unattractive air hostess flying on a Japan Airlines. Yeah. Whereas other airlines, don't want to name any, but, you know, some of them, the, the standards have slipped. It's not like how it used to be back in the... Was it probably like the sixties or the seventies or something? Right, when you see those old very movies glamorous job yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, but well, the, the Japan Airlines girls, they're, they're still kind of on that level. Yeah, and, well, they definitely yeah. have some requirements and standards. And I remember actually back when I was teaching, a job came up in Tokyo for teaching English to the flight attendants for Japan Airlines. Oh, right, nice. But in the job in the job description. Yeah, exactly. I think that's what everyone thinks. Like, wow. But in the job description, it was clearly indicated like there is no fraternizing with the uh, <laughs> students, you know. So it's like even before you get to the interview process or anything, is listed in the job uh, listing. Like, yeah, you're not allowed to date or, you know. Yeah, yeah. It's like written into the contract and you have to sign that. But I mean, if you're a teacher or just anyone who's hanging out with those like the classroom of like, I don't know, 20 to 30 of those women, like every day, like something happens, man. You can't be held responsible for just like being like attracted to them. Yeah. They shouldn't be allowed to deny that. Right. Right. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's what I would say, but obviously neither one of us would make it past the interview process <laughs> with this attitude, but you know, what are you going to do? But anyways, yeah. So that's one of the uh, biggest things that, I really like about Japanese airlines is just they're always so polite to you. They treat you very well. When they walk up and down the aisle, they're very like professional all the time. They're never bumping into you, or if they are, they're super apologetic, trying to help you with your baggage, all of that. So, my good experience, especially with the hospitality here, is I think in in restaurants they're so timely. You know, and like you said, they're always very smiley, not particularly friendly, you know, like they don't start up conversation and stuff, but they're very efficient. So you get what you order, uh, you get it in a timely way, you get it with smiles, and you get it with a lot of enthusiasm as well, even though they don't really talk to you or anything. But when they talk to you, they're very polite and <clears throat> yeah, and you don't have to tip. You think you don't have to tip and you can get them to do anything. You know, you just like ask them to do stuff and they're always happy to come over. They always seem happy. So very often you see like a grumpy waitress or waiter or one that's having a bad day. They never show it. Oh, I don't they know could if be, I've ever seen them. Yeah. Right? yeah. But they're, they're, they're so good at, you know, looking happy to serve you. Even if they're not, you can't tell. You really can't tell. It's amazing. Yeah, well, I that's and that's a, any level of restaurant, you know, like uh, the most casual izakaya up to like the most formal, uh, fancy restaurant that you'll go to, and uh, you know, as somebody who works in Japanese companies, sometimes I feel like, is that really necessary? I mean, this is a little bit too much to expect of employees and stuff to have that, you know, that high level of responsibility, personal responsibility for hospitality. But when you're the customer and, uh, yeah, you're at the restaurant or in a hotel or wherever you're at and you're getting treated that way, then you definitely feel like, oh, wow, Japan is different. And this is something awesome about Japan. 
And then I remember when I go back home to England, and I think because I've been in Japan so long, my standards of service are so high now. Like the standard for me is like it has to be perfect. But when I go to England, and I don't get that service, which isn't you know that common in England, you're not expected perfect service every time. So when I go home to England, I don't get that service of getting to Japan. I notice it straight away. I'm like, why isn't that waiter smiling at me when he comes over? Why is he grumpy? You know, why did he get my order wrong? And then,、um, and before when I was living there, I never thought that. But now I just like notice things like that, like people that don't say thank you when they give you something, or they don't say, "Oh, next, please," instead of "Oh, next." You know, yeah, and like, and they tell you when they're done or they're finished. So many times I got ignored, like when I was back at home.、Um, I went to like information services or something, and I asked for information. And she didn't have the information, so then she was just like she just walked off, <laughs> and I assumed that she was gonna go and get the information. All,、yeah. she, all she said was, "No, I don't have the information," and then just walked off. And I was like, "Okay, she's gonna come back." So I was just, just waiting there for fifteen minutes, and she comes back to me and says, "I don't have the information," <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, "Well, aren't you supposed to get it?" She was like, "I don't have the information," and she didn't say like "sorry" or you know. Go somewhere and I can help you. But in Japan, they will find that solution pretty yeah, much. Yeah, you try. Would, you would never experience that. And just like you're saying, man, I get so I'm so picky now because I'm so used to a high level of professional. This is how picky I get. Is if I go anywhere like a you know have a layover at another airport, or if I'm overseas and I'm in a shopping mall in the stores. Or anything, I'll kind of look at the、uh, the employees of that like establishment or that store that、uh, or at the airport, and if like I see two employees kind of chit chat chit chatting on the job or something, and I'm like, what do you guys think you're doing? Why are you talking right now? You <laughs> I'm exactly like, the same. I'm、yeah. exactly the same. Because you would never see that. Well, I mean, maybe it happens like every now and then, but in general, in Japan, like you don't even see people like kind of chit chatting with each other on the job, you know. And it's really weird how that makes people feel <clears throat> uncomfortable. Right, like when you see, you go into a restaurant or a shop, and you see the staff talking together, it kind of makes you feel uncomfortable being around that. Like almost you're like an outsider because you're not in on the joke or something, right? Yeah. But in Japan, like you catch it sometimes, but they stop it straight away. Yeah, yeah. When they notice a customer coming. Yeah. But in England, they won't. They just carry on. Yeah. The only thing kind of similar to that that I feel a little bit of disappointment, and maybe this can be like kind of one of the negative things. Actually, but it's not even really because. It's at convenience stores, and the convenience stores or konbini as they're called are just so efficient and great, anyways, as it is. But sometimes, like they're so busy, like stocking on the shelves, that they won't realize that you're standing at the register. And I'm like, "What the heck are you guys waiting for, man? Don't you realize I'm here?" And so then I'll, you know, yell out to them like, "I think they're supposed to say it to each other, but I'll just say like." Reggie Onigashimas, you know, and tell them like there's somebody at your register, you know. But, but yeah, I've become like such a picky customer because I'm so used to that like perfect service. So, yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, have you had apart? That's actually yeah. That would be one of the negatives is someone not being at their register. But have you had any kind of other situations where you've had a bad experience of hospitality? I mean, one thing is, and we were kind of talking about this a little bit before, but 
it's not a bad experience with hospitality because who doesn't like hospitality, but it's almost like they're so trained in certain situations like Japanese employees uh, to do something that they don't really understand how to make a decision on the fly or to adjust against like whatever is protocol or whatever is training. Actually, this is one thing. It's not necessarily hospitality, but uh, something strange about Japan is that it's really difficult to return something after you've purchased it. Really? You never noticed this? I've never returned anything. Well, so you never tried to return anything? <laughs> no. Yeah, like in the U.S., like some people just buy something to use it for a few days just to return it, you know? Or you'll uh, buy, like, a, you'll order a few things to be delivered and then, like, that are similar, and then you'll choose the one that you want, and then you'll return the other two, you know? But in Japan, it's really, well, actually, for online sales, it's probably easier to return, but it's really difficult to go into a store and return something that you've already purchased. So it's almost like purchases are very, very final. You mean it's like you can't, once you buy it, you can't return it kind of thing? Yeah, exactly. Yeah, or if you take it back and you try to return it, and they're like, uh, what are you trying to do? And you're like, well, here's a receipt, you know, it doesn't fit or that person didn't like the gift or something. And there are some stores that I've been to, they just, they don't really know what to do. They're like, well, didn't you buy this? <laughs> <laughs> like, why are you giving it back to us? Like you've paid for it. It's yours. <laughs> you don't need to give it back. <laughs> and it's like, no, no, no. I'm trying to return it to get the money back. But yeah, they don't, it's very, very uncommon to return something after you've yeah. purchased it in Japan. Actually, now, now you say that it reminds me, I tried to return something. <clears throat> so I, it was, um, but it was used. I bought a used thing. So maybe returning a used good is even, is even more difficult. <laughs> more difficult. <laughs> so it's from like, you know, a used store like Geo and I bought like a, a PS, one of those portable Sony PS, what are PSPs? Oh uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So I bought yeah. one like secondhand, a used one and I bought it for my cousin back in England. Mm. But the thing was when I took it back to England, the games, the English games didn't fit into the or didn't work on okay. the japanese version right so basically you couldn't you couldn't use it so i had to take it back and i tried to take it back to the store and sell it back to them you know even at a maybe not the exact price but a little bit cheaper because i had it and and i, and I, could, I had a great reason i was like Look, i can't use it because i want to use it in england and they're yeah. like yeah sorry yeah you bought it <laughs> yeah that's it you know i was like can i get a refund like even less they're like nah yeah nah. Not, not getting your money back. Yeah, it's it. yeah, it's pretty bizarre, and it's uh, I, I don't know. I guess it's kind of good because it makes people take responsibility, and you don't have all these things coming back. But uh, I don't know though. Have you had anything like bad experiences with hospitality? I wouldn't say it was a bad experience, but it was one of, another one of those where they're kind of not deviating from the manual. They will never deviate from protocol. Right. So. I think I was with you at the time and we were at this bar, this bar in Suskino, and it was me, you and some other friends. And we were sitting outside of the bar. So the bike is outside. Probably wasn't that long ago, maybe a couple of months ago. And like the staff came out and was like, if you want a drink, you got to order inside. And then we were like, well, can we order from you? Like now, you know, he was there, you know, oh, we want four beers or something. He's like, no, you have to order inside. And I'm like, but you're here, you know, you can take our order now. And he just like refused. Like, no, the rules are you have to order inside yeah. so even though he was there so i just like walked in with him 
as soon as I go into the place, I was like, can I have four beers, please? <laughs> and then he brings them out. It's like, we could have done that outside. Yeah. You know? But yeah. they don't want to break protocol. Yeah, I remember that night, actually. And yeah, that is annoying. And that's exactly like one of those examples where they, yeah, they, they can't really break protocol. Which is, um, you know, the word omotenashi. Omotenashi, yeah, yeah. Which, what, what does it mean exactly, Bert? Well, usually, actually, it's translated as hospitality. Yeah. Because they, uh, Japan used that as their slogan, right? For the, the Olympics, the 2020 Olympics. Yeah, which is coming up. And, uh, before you tell your story, if you don't mind me saying, did you apply for tickets for the Olympics? No, no, I didn't. You didn't? No. I did, man. And I went through this process and they just recently announced the results about, because it was a lottery system. And, uh, I didn't get a notice of my results of my application. What do you mean? Like whether you got it or not? Yeah. So it, or not. Yeah. Cause so it was a lottery, uh, application to try to get tip event, uh, tickets for events for the Olympics and you'd have to select and then pay later. But you know, if so, if you won the lottery, then you get the tickets. It was a really difficult process at the last minute because obviously so many people are trying to apply for these tickets. So I went through the process, which involved like, waiting on the website for like 40 minutes at one point they had to call like uh, my cell phone to verify my phone number like it was a pretty arduous process and then uh, I thought I had finished and then I started to get these emails that said like please complete uh, complete your uh, application but it also said like we're sending this email to like everyone who's like sent in a thing so if you've already completed your application just ignore this email so I just ignored it because I was like, I don't want to sit on the website for like 40 minutes again at night, like waiting to log in because like there was a queue basically to, lo uh, to log in. So yeah, what ended up happening is, is like it was real. Like I hadn't finished my application <laughs> and I applied for like a few thousand dollars worth of tickets thinking like maybe I just get like some of them. But yeah, so they announced the, the results recently and like I didn't get anything and not even the, the tickets for the soccer games in Sapporo. And like that morning I went to work and everyone was talking about, yeah, we got the tickets in the support of soccer, blah, blah, blah. And like, man, it just upset me so much. But apparently there's going to be another opportunity uh, to buy the tickets again. So are you complaining about the system was at fault or was it your fault? Both. <laughs> I got to take responsibility for it. I got to take responsibility for it. But yeah, I mean, anyway, so that was a big disappointment. But anyway, just like you say, the uh, theme of the Olympics or one of the topics that's really becoming big is this Amotenashi. Yeah, like you said, it basically means hospitality, but it it's kind of like meaning that Japan has the best hospitality. That's mm. how they're selling it, right? It's not just like hospitality. It's like great hospitality. The thing is, there's like some people that think that Japan have got, haven't fully grasped the true meaning of omotenashi. Oh, really? Yeah, These are because, Japanese people or yeah, Japanese people, people because oh. of like situations like us. Because I mean, good hospitality means you can read the air, you can read the customers, you know exactly what they want. You're doing exactly what they want and what they need. But things like what we were talking about, how they're just following the manual. That's not really thinking about the customer so much. Uh. So people are saying they're claiming to have the best hospitality, but actually it's not because they don't connect with the customer. Do you know if this is like regular citizens or is this like professional, like uh, 
people in that in some kind of hospitality industry so or this something? Was, uh, this was from an article. Here we go. Yeah, it's an opinion piece. This is something that came up recently, I guess, because the Olympics. Was yeah, coming. well, not that recent. This was uh, 2018 okay. in February, and it's, uh, it's from metropolisjapan.com. And, but the, the author is a Japanese person, Saika Ishida. Okay. Yeah. And, and she says that, um, that she finds, you know, the hospitality is good, but she finds it kind of disturbing in some ways that, yeah, you know, there's things that she doesn't really understand that the Japanese can't deviate from this manual. Whatever's protocol. Yeah. So, she, you know, like she had one example. You know, like there's one part where she said when she goes shopping uh, to a store and instead of like the the shop staff just giving you the bag, you know, she doesn't give you the bag. She walks you to the entrance. Not all stores. Yeah. Like some stores. Yeah. That and then she nuts. holds the bag, bows <clears throat> and says, thank you for coming and gives it to you. But it's like that just makes the customer feel really awkward. Yeah, well, it, can, it happens to me sometimes. I feel like they're, like, kicking me out of the store, and I'm like, maybe I still want to look at something. Right, yeah, yeah. 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 So it's almost that kind of way of they haven't really considered the customer's feelings. Mm. So even though they think it's good service, good hospitality, but if the customer doesn't feel good about it, it's not good hospitality. Right. So that's the argument for Japan haven't got the true meaning of motenashi, which is, like, the customer should be God, basically. Yeah. Well, I wonder if uh, any country really has it better than Japan, though, because it's kind of better to have that blanket protocol, because I think it probably helps a lot of people who probably wouldn't be able to figure it out anyways, like, what does the customer really need? So I think that uh, blanket approach that Japan has is actually probably more beneficial in the end for every everybody. But you just mentioned something interesting, which is that the customer is God, which is, you know, overseas in the U.S., like, customer is king. But yeah, there's the view in Japan where the customer is God, which basically means like they should get whatever they want. But uh, I mean, I don't know. How do you feel about that? Do you think Japan has it off a little bit? I think they have it a little bit off, but I think you're right. They've probably got it more right than most countries because mm -hmm. there are those small things that, you know, irritate customers and stuff. But it's not as bad as what we have in Western countries or back in England where Sometimes customers and service, they have a lot of arguments and conflict, but there's never that kind of conflict in the Japanese hospitality. You know, it's just like, oh, the customer just feels a little bit annoyed. That's about it, really. But they never get so wound up that it comes to a confrontation. Very commonly in America, I'm sure, when foreign travelers go to America and there's the whole tipping system you know, that a lot of us aren't used to, especially British people. I've come into conflict so many times with American waiters, Canadian waiters, taxi drivers, because they're expecting a tip. But in our country, in England, we don't tip. And then that becomes like a huge argument, you know. But Japan, I've got it just right, like no tipping, no tipping whatsoever, and we'll treat you so well. So you can't complain anyway. <clears throat> and yeah, and it just has less room for errors, you know, misunderstandings, I think. Here's something kind of on the flip side of that is that like because they have to be so hospitable or, you know, take care of the customer so well in Japan, sometimes I've seen it where like, especially older, like Ojisan old men 
will get upset about something like waiting too long or whatever the issue is. And they'll just start ripping into like this young, like employee. Like I think I was at a hospital once or somewhere where some old man was waiting for something for quite a long time and just like went up once and started complaining about it a little bit in a rude voice, like slightly Yakuza, like, uh, act, I mean, he wasn't Yakuza, but you know what I'm saying? When the people like, get upset and they start rolling their R's and everything when they get upset about something. And, uh, you know, the girl was just starting to get a little flustered and trying to apologize. And then he like went and he sat back down and then he came back up again, like five minutes later. Cause he had just like had enough and he just started going off like super loud yelling, you know? They just had to like sit there and like take it and just apologize and like, you know, run around to try to, you know, make them feel like they were doing something to help them and everything. But he's just like yelling, yelling, yelling. And, you know, everyone's standing around there like nobody's saying anything either. And, you know, I didn't say anything either, so I can't complain too much. But everyone's just kind of watching this happen. And, you know, at some point you guys got to be like, tell the customer, like, you got to chill out, you know, like, you know, sit down. Like, it's not that big a deal. Whatever, whatever he's waiting for, it wasn't like life or death situation, you know, so. Yeah, yeah. And they, but they won't do that, right? Like in, you know, America and England, they would do that. They'll be like, or even if they know the customer's wrong, they'll try to defend themselves. Yeah. And they'll end up having a discussion about it. But in Japan, they won't argue. They'll just side with the, cu- the customer straight away, even if the fault isn't theirs. Yeah. And yeah, it's amazing to see how they would just take it. Yeah. You know, even like managers, high level, it's not just like the low level workers. Yeah. But you know, if they weren't in that service, if they weren't working, they probably wouldn't do that. Yeah. Right. It's just like the rules of being a service person. Yeah. If you like our podcast, uh, yeah, leave us a review on especially on iTunes, that would help us a lot. Why why would that help us? Why would ratings and reviews help us? Well, I think just for in any sense, like people see it, you know, they need to make a decision on what other people think about the podcast. Yeah. Is it list, worth listening to? Is it informative? So and it raises it raises us in the charts, which will make us get more listeners, I guess. Yeah, and yeah. uh this is kind of maybe a good time to bring this up too i think we're really happy that people are tuning in and uh and checking things out I, to be honest when we first started this i thought it was kind of going to be people in japan and maybe people in the u.s and europe and the uk and stuff but man it's pretty uh surprising to see how many people are tuning in and supporting do you ever check this out oh you got the some statistics stats, yeah? yeah this has uh well, this is just about last, uh, if these stats are accurate, this is about last five episodes. And it, uh, one section of the statistics talk about people are tuning in from different countries. Yeah, there's people here from these last five episodes from 37 countries total. Name the country that you think is the most random on that list. The most random? Cool. Well, how about you? I'm looking at the I, list. I, ha- I haven't seen it. Yeah, yeah. Well, exactly. That's why. I, uh, oh, you! Oh, you want me to guess? Yeah, like, can you what guess? is the most random out of thirty-seven countries? <laughs> yeah, are there a lot of European countries in there? Yes. Okay, I'm going to go for the most random one. I think that would be in there is uh, Estonia. No, I think that won't be in there. Estonia would not be in there. Estonia will not be in here. Yeah, Estonia. Well, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Estonia is not in there. 
Well, all right. Actually, but this is the last five, you know, and don't make me look at uh, all, all the right. episodes. Here. But anyways, yeah. Okay, re- re- read out some, uh, some of the 37 countries. That well, here's one that's unusual. Well, first of all, to answer your question, one of the most unusual that I'm looking at, Nepal. Nepal. Well, I, yeah. I wouldn't expect anyone to be tuning in from Nepal, but right. uh, let me just l- read this list. Well, it's 37, so bear with me here. But it's Japan, United States, United Kingdom, Germany, Australia, Spain, Ireland, Switzerland, Sweden, United Arab Emirates, Canada, Finland, Norway, Italy, Belgium, China, Jersey, Philippines, Denmark, Malaysia, India, Thailand, Nepal, Russia, Kuwait, Uzbekistan. Israel, Mexico, Poland, Romania, Greece, Kenya, Hong Kong, Netherlands, Tunisia, Latvia, and Vietnam. Dude, that's cool, man. Yeah. Uzbekistan, that is the one that I should have said. Uzbekistan, <laughs> I'm <laughs> the sure most that's random one. Yeah, but they made the list. Yeah. Wow. So, man, it looks like a lot of people are interested in Japan. And, uh, yeah, just want to say thank you for tuning into our podcast. Yeah, that's great. Man. So, yeah, so if you leave a review and a rating, uh, hopefully we'll cover, we can reach some more of those countries and, uh, get some more listeners. Yeah. Get, get it out there. Yeah, for sure. How about, uh, should we do a word of the day? Let's do a word of the day. All right. Have you got one, Burke? I don't. <laughs> so we're going to we're gonna have to edit out until we think of one. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, we got one. Namara. That's right. Namara. Namara. So this is interesting because maybe even people in Japan will not know this word. Um, well, maybe they will. Depends on how familiar they are with Hokkaido. Because as some people know or don't know, in Japan, there are a lot of different dialects. Hogan, which is dialects in different areas of the country. Uh, for example, popular dialect. Do you know some of the popular? Uh, yeah, Kanto Ben. Yes. Which is... Kanto. That's the same as Osaka Ben, right? I think it's Kansai Ben. Kansai, oh, Kansai Ben, ben. yeah. Kansai, Kansai ben. ben. Yeah. Obviously, Hokkaido Ben. Yeah. Uh, Okinawa Ben. Is it an Okinawa Ben? Or is it like the South Islands? Uh, actually, I don't know. Well, I know like uh, Kyushu. Yeah, maybe certain... Kyushu Ben. Yeah. I don't know if it's actually called Kyushu Ben. But, uh... <laughs> <laughs> and Hokkaido Ben. I thought you were referring to yourself. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> Our own Hokkaido Ben on the podcast. <laughs> Uh, but another popular one is like up in the Aomori area. Yeah, so well. Namara is uh, Hokkaido Ben, if you haven't guessed. Namara. Yeah. What does it mean? Some of the other Japanese words that is similar to are like Cho or Mecha or Totomo. So basically, very, something very, is very. Yeah. Namara Oishi. Mm. Yeah. Have very you ever used delicious. It, I'll be honest, I don't think I've ever used it. Uh, to be honest, I haven't used it recently because uh, sometimes when you use it, people think it's cute because you're not a native speaker. You know? <laughs> and I don't really like so that. They're kind sometimes. of mocking you in a way. A little bit. Yeah. But so when I, yeah, but when I was here uh, in the earlier years and I was trying to, you know, just learn as much Japanese pop- possible and use it, I, I would use some uh, Hokkaido Ben words sometimes like Namara. But uh, I just, somebody used it on me the other day, or used it towards me. A Japanese person. Yeah. It was actually uh, at jujitsu. Oh, yeah. Yeah, we were sparring, and something was up that day. I don't remember uh, what was going on, but I wasn't feeling well. And, uh, man, I just got so gassed and so tired during the sparring session. And, uh, yeah, one of the guys I was sparring with, it was like, he asked me before we started, like, are you okay to go again? And I was like, yeah, let's go. And uh, he's a really tough guy. He's a brown belt. Right off the start, like, I was just dead already. So I was just kind of, like, playing defense all the time. 
And he's kept saying to me, Porta, Namara Skaraterna, Namara Skaraterna. So he was just like, yeah, saying that I was like really tired, really tired, you know, so. So he was using it. He was using it. About me, yeah. Yeah, yeah. that's cool. Yeah. yeah. I haven't heard it actually being used for a long time. I mean, do you hear it often? Actually, I used to hear it a lot in schools when I was teaching the schools, like young kids would use it, or I'd hear it a lot uh, when I was with my cousins, obviously, because they're like just chit chatting to each other. But obviously, it's not a word that you're going to hear very much at work from coworkers, because uh, again, it's, it's Hogan, so it's kind of like uh, improper, not improper, but very, very extremely casual and stuff. So I think you'll only hear like young kids using it or friends using it with each other, that type of situation. But probably if you come to visit Sapporo or, ha- or Hokkaido or something and you... Maybe if you use it in a restaurant, they'd, they'd probably appreciate that, right? Oh, if yeah, you, for like, sure. Went to a ramen restaurant and was like, oh, namara oishikata desu, or something it, like that, right? Oh, man, they'd probably go crazy if yeah. a foreigner used it. Yeah, right. they would definitely like it. So. so you said they all think it's cute when, you know, foreigners use kind of unique words and stuff like that. Yeah. And I think, yeah, I think people would really, uh, really appreciate that. Like, you've really made the effort. Yeah. You know, yeah, namara. Yeah, no, one thing I actually wanted to talk about what we didn't cover was um, tattoos. Ah. Yeah. Yeah. So that's another thing that the Japanese are very unhospitable about is tattoos. Like, especially if you go to onsen, which is one of the best things you can do when you come to Japan. But if you have a tattoo, unfortunately, you're not allowed in, right? Because back in the day... People with tattoos, especially in Japan, were usually associated with the, the local, you know, Yakuza, the gangs. So if you had a tattoo, usually it was like a giant, you know, tattoo of a dragon on your back or on all over your body. And the onsens didn't want gangsters coming into onsens because it scares away customers and stuff. But, you know, they never wrote like on signs and stuff, no Yakuza. It was like no tattoos. But that tradition has stayed, so they've they've taken that literally now to mean anyone with any tattoo, regardless of if you're a gangster or not. So even if you have like a little tiny butterfly or something on your shoulder and you're foreign, which you're clearly not a Japanese Yakuza, yeah. they will not let you in because you have a tattoo. Yeah. And that is another, you know, kind of de- non-deviation from the manual just because they said no tattoos. Yeah, because uh, especially just like you're saying, if it's a foreign like girl or something with a butterfly on her shoulder, then obviously they should be able to figure out. But I guess it's just something where it's like, well, we let her in, then we've got to let everyone in. With right, tattoos, yeah. You know? Then we got to get, get let the gangsters in, but no, just don't let the gangsters in. You know? Yeah, let everyone else in who's not a gangster. Yeah, um, yeah. Well, one of, yeah, one of my friends, he even got kicked out because he he kind of you know tried to hide it. He knew about the rule. But he, you know, he thought he'd risk it, you know, see, like, would they really kick him out? So he went in inside, got naked, got into the, the wash area. So he was washing and he was like scrubbing himself, had soap all over. And he, he didn't have a big tattoo, it was just like a tattoo on his arm. And it wasn't huge. And then like uh, whilst he was bathing himself, an old lady come up to him and was like tapped him on the back. You know, there's always like old lady cleaners in the onsen, like tapped him on the back. And we're just like doing the old X, the old dumb X mm. pointing at his tattoo. And he was like covered in bubbles and stuff like that. I was like, what you doing, old lady? <laughs> <laughs> and she's like, just kept doing a dumb dumb huh. And then, yeah, like kicked him out <clears throat> just for having like this little waistband tattoo. 
Yeah. It's like, why do you do that? And it's like, because you're not allowed to have a tattoo. Yeah. I remember you kind of mentioned that before and that, that is a little bit extreme, but I, I think we kind of talked about this before too, but the uh, rugby world cup coming up this year, there's actually saying that a lot of the own sons are going to become lenient about tattoos, uh, at least during the rub, at least during the world cup and maybe even beyond that as well. Uh, because I recognize that a lot of fans, foreign fans, especially of rugby, uh, are probably going to be tatted up a little bit. In other countries, so many people have tattoos now. It's almost like people to not have a tattoo is a minority these days. Yeah. Do you have any tattoos? No, I don't. I don't. But yeah. I think like the younger generation, a lot of people do have tattoos, you know, like the arm sleeves. And I wonder where, where it's from. Like, you know, you watch like TV and a lot of athletes, especially basketball players, football players, MMA fighters, most of them seem to have tattoos now. Yeah. Whereas like back in the day, like especially when I was growing up, tattoos were kind of rare. And it's like, oh, if you got a tattoo, you're a bit of a, you're a bit of a bad boy kind yeah, of thing. Yeah, you know, a little a bit bit of a rebel. rebel. Yeah, yeah, rebel. But now it's like, it's almost like gone the opposite way. Like if you don't have a tattoo, you're kind of like, you know, a bit of a rebel because you're like not following everyone kind of yeah, thing. Yeah, that or like a goody-goody or something. Right, too much it. of a goody-goody. But it's yeah. like, you know, tattoos used to be cool back then because it was like, it was bad to do. But now everyone's doing it. It's almost like it's not really that cool anymore. Well, I kind of remember I was like, kind of went through like 10 years where I was like, should I get one? Should I not get one? But then when I was like 25 or something, which isn't that old, but somebody said to me, like, well, if you don't have one now, like, why are you going to get one now? You know, like, mm. but you think about it, a lot of people now get tattoos much later than 25 or something. But that kind of stuck in my head. It was kind of like, yeah, if I haven't really thought I wanted one up to this po- or if I haven't gotten it by this point, like, why am I deciding to get one at this point? If you did decide to get a tattoo, what would you get? If where I would get, you put it? Yeah. Well, if I could get anything like that I wanted to get. And especially in Japan, it wouldn't lead to any trouble. I'd really like to get a sleeve down my arm or something, yeah, some really yeah. fancy sleeve, you know. But uh, I don't think that'd be very good. Is that because you live in Japan? So no, if no. you didn't live in Japan, would you do it? Well, I don't do it just because, again, I kind of feel like you were saying it's kind of like more unique now, almost not to have a tattoo if you don't. So even if I were overseas, I probably wouldn't get it unless I really saw something that I wanted to make sure I got. But whenever I look at tattoos, I try and look at it like art too. And I really think that looks much more like art when you've got like a big like design and sleeve down your arm or something than just like uh, an important one little something somewhere, you know? So so, so no tramp stamps. Maybe I already have one. <laughs> no, yeah. no I, I was always kind of the same. Like I only wanted, wanted to have a tattoo if it really meant something. That's the only reason why I never got a tattoo because I never really had a good reason to get one not like, just like, for like liking a picture or something not even like mommy or something no but it's gonna have like real <laughs> meaning you know like not not the tattoo that has most meaning but the reason for getting a tattoo i always thought i'll only get a tattoo if i join some kind of tribe uh, where like in order to get into that tribe i have to have this tattoo yeah you know like um in the forces i think some special forces or something it's like for being in that they get a tattoo or they have to get a tattoo. Right, right. Like that kind of thing, that kind of symbol that like, okay, I've been through this and I, I had to get this tattoo to do that. Yeah. That's the only reason why I would get one. Yeah. Not because I wanted to. Yeah. More like I had to. Yeah. Yeah. So then that's more meaning, I think. 
What about brands? Have you ever seen brands? No, do people still get those? Yeah, actually, I have some friends who have those. Like, it was kind of, uh, it wasn't popular, but some people, like, in this uh, fraternity or club that I was in, in university. They, like, what, they branded their emblem on their skin? Yeah. Oh, yeah. my God. So it was, uh, it was, was that, cool. like, a part of the initiation or something? No, no, it wasn't. Uh, it was just kind of people that were really feeling the, uh, the importance of the, uh, the organization and stuff. Oh, so it was like, it was a choice. It wasn't like they had to do it. They no, 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 I didn't. no, 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 nobody made them do it. But, uh, yeah, I think some of them probably aren't too happy about that at this point. Some of them probably don't mind, but where are they? Branded on, if you don't mind asking, like what kind of body part? Oh, I can't say that on air. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. Uh, no, like just like shoulder on top of the arm on the shoulder or like on the back of the uh, shoulder blade or something. Do not even regret it? I don't, I mean, I don't, th- I don't think they regret it, but, uh, they probably didn't think about how they would feel about it as they got become this age, but I don't think any of them regret it. I mean, tattoos these days, you can kind of like remove them, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, brands, I think, are a little <laughs> bit more difficult. They leave for life. Yeah. yeah I, def- I don't think I would want to get branded because that is going to hurt a lot, right? Yeah. Like, tattoos hurt, I heard. Yeah. I heard they hurt. But yeah. branding, that's a different level. you got to be pretty psychotic to get branded, I think, especially by choice. <laughs> yeah. I don't it's think- usually as a punishment, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, I'm trying to remember, but I don't think any of those guys were sober when they uh, made the decision, but... But, so you weren't one of those. Is to be honest, fraternity? man, I'm your fraternity? well. To be honest, I'm kind of usually extreme about things. So if I'm going to do something, I'm probably going to do it like beyond what's required. So I I'd do probably... it on your forehead or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> People are going to see me walk around with a brand on my forehead from next week. Voices in Japan. <laughs> Vij. How many of you want me to do it? Don't, don't tempt me, man. Cool, man. Are we? Uh, how are we doing for time? Is it? Is it about that time? Yeah, it is that time, man. All right. Um, yeah. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everyone. We re- really appreciate you, appreciate you taking the time to listen to us. And uh, yeah, remember to rate, review us on iTunes, and uh, share us with your friends and family. Yeah, that'd be great. If you could do that. Thanks for thanks for listening, guys. Uh, see you next time. Thank you.